Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for just awesome about the Lord God that he provides for us where we thought it was impossible. That's what he's teaching them. And so lost in the desert for 40 years, but the Lord was still providing for his people. He was still good to them, even though they had sinned against him. And we Gentiles do the same as well. We sin against the Lord, and yet he still provides for us. But here's God who had been rejected over and over, more times than can be counted, and he still provided for his people because he always called them my people. A God who calls them my people is a God who wants to dwell with his people. Isn't that good? And so why are they supposed to keep the feast besides the fact that God said so? Verse 41, it says, because it shall be a statute forever in your generations. A statute is a law or a rule. And how long were they supposed to keep the statute? They were supposed to keep it forever. Does it have an expiration date? No, they still do it today. If you go to Israel during the Feast of Tabernacles, there are sukkahs everywhere. And why are they supposed to do this? Why is this a command? Yes, it could be fun. Yes, okay, Feast of Tabernacles, I would enjoy. But why did God say you're going to do this? You shall do this. Why was that so uh, upfront in the Lord that it be a command? Because if they did not do it, They would fall away, and their children would forget what the Lord had done for them. He wanted all the generations to remember and to not let anybody let this down, or else all the generations would forget, and then you got a sin problem again. They're not trusting in the Lord, and it's going to do a lot of damage. So the Lord says, you need to keep this going. I'm telling you, you shall have the Feast of Tabernacles. It is also a statute to keep forever for your generations. This is going to benefit their ancestry down the line. As the Lord said, told them why in verse 43, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. See, so somebody could say, wait a minute, didn't the golden calf bring us out of Egypt? Or no, wait, wasn't it Moses? Or maybe it was the 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 spirit of the human resistance or whatever it is that people do today when they stick their fist up in the air not open handed like surrender but they uh, the power of man the power of the people right the lord wanted them to remember i am the lord your god and that's why he had them to keep this uh this feast of tabernacles so that their generations would remember have you ever gotten so busy that you forgot that everything you have came from god Have you ever forgotten about God himself? Have you ever gotten to the point where you forgot that everything is his and for him? And so you forgot the reason that you're alive and free is because the Lord God gave you that freedom. It's kind of the same reason why we have Memorial Day in America once a year. So everyone can be reminded 
about the sacrifices that our military people have made for us so that we will not forget. But sadly, there did come a time when Israel, they got off into sin and they forgot. They forgot about the Feast of Tabernacles. And so the Lord, he had used Babylon as an instrument of judgment against them, and the Israelites were taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar. And try to say that name, Nebuchadnezzar, tongue twister. But just as prophesied in Scripture, they were going to come back. After 70 years of exile, they were allowed to come back. And in the book of Nehemiah, if you read, when they came back and they, they came to rebuild the wall and rebuild Jerusalem back up, it says the Israelites gathered together to listen to Ezra read from the scriptures. And in Ezra, they actually found, when I'm not in Ezra, but when Ezra read the scriptures, they actually rediscovered again <laughs> that they should be celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. The Lord had been with them all the time. They rediscovered the Feast of Tabernacles, and so the Lord brought it back to their memory. Here's this feast that I want you to have. And so God was not about to let them forget. Let me show you in Nehemiah 8 and 13. Now, on the second day, the heads of the father's houses of all the people with the priests and Levites were gathered to Ezra, the scribe, in order to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should announce and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the mountain and bring olive branches, branches of oil trees, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of leafy trees to make booths as it is written. Then the people went out and brought them and made themselves booths, each one on the roof of his house or in their courtyards or the courts of the house of God and in the open square of the water gate and in the open square of the gate of Ephraim. So the whole assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths, and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the children of Israel had not done so. And there was very great gladness, also day by day, from the first day until the last day. He read from the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days. Well, look at that. I love it how it says they found it. Look what we found, guys. We found this great thing that we get to do. We found this great feast. So it was like, hey, let's get out and do this. Yes, we're back in the land. We're so happy to be here. Here's our way to party. <laughs> guys, God knows what fun is more than you do. I guarantee you. The sinful things you're doing, you need to repent of that and you need to do things God's way. God's way is more fun. I'm telling you. He knows, God knows how to party. He, he, he's going to have a great party called the Mayor's Supper of the Lamb. You don't want to miss. But for now, we got this one we can do too. And they were anxious to go do it. Let's do this. What a treasure to find this great celebration given to them by the Lord as a way to celebrate their liberation from Egypt. This time to celebrate it again after being liberated from Babylon. So no wonder they were so quick to go out and find the fruits and the branches because it gave them a way to express and celebrate their deliverance, their thankfulness, their gratitude to the Lord. In fact, we see that the Jews still held on to the Feast of Tabernacles well on into the time of the Gospel accounts. Let me show you in Mark 9 and 2. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. 
His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. Okay, so Jesus' outward appearance began to change into this different kind of look, and what, and it scared the disciples. But what the disciples saw him turn into, they saw how Jesus will look when he returns to establish his kingdom again on earth. And Moses and Elijah's presence being with him, that kind of validated that this Jesus is the Messiah. And so Peter was absolutely blown away at what he saw. He couldn't believe this. And so he had this impulsive response to do something. But to do what? What was it he did to build three tabernacles, three dwellings, a tent or a booth for each one of them? Why did he want to build three tabernacles? Because Peter had mistakenly thought that the final kingdom of Christ had come. He thought the end of it is is here. This is it. It's over. We are now liberated from under Roman rule, he thought the end of the end of the end was here. He he did not understand yet that Jesus had yet to go and die for the sins of the world. Okay. But Peter thought he was witnessing the fulfillment of what Zechariah said in in verse 4 in chapter 14 verse 16, which talks about the Messiah's worldwide reign when he has finally established it. Look at Zechariah 14:16. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, this is talking about all the Gentile non-Israelite armies that have come to fight against Jerusalem in the great battle at the end of it all, okay? These are Gentile nations here. All the armies. They're going to be destroyed by the Messiah, but some of those people of those armies will survive, and they will come to belief in Jesus Christ. That's why it says in the verse there, everyone who is left, which came against Jerusalem, there's going to be survivors from that battle. These people are going to go every year to worship King Jesus on his throne in Mount Zion, and it says they are going to keep the feast of tabernacles. You Gentile friends of mine that said, well, this is a Jewish thing. I'm not Jewish. I'm Gentile. Look at what all the people are going to be doing in that kingdom time. They're all going to be coming and keeping the Feast of Tabernacles as well. Okay. So back to Peter again. He mistakenly thought that Jesus was now activated to rule all the nations on the earth in this kingdom that he saw coming that he apparently knew about. And so Peter wanted to set up tabernacles. That's what he wanted to do. In the end, all the Gentiles are going to keep with the Jews. They're going to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, Peter thought, here's that time. So let's build tabernacles, right? He misunderstood that Jesus had yet to go die for the sins of the world on the cross. But that's why it says in Mark 9, 6, Peter didn't know what to say. He was afraid and he just kind of coughed up whatever first came out. Let me build tabernacles. He, he didn't know how to contain himself. So he went by what he knew, a little knee-jerk reaction, but hey, you know, I love Peter because he was faulted as <laughs> probably not quite as much as me, but that's why I like Peter, because I see myself in Peter. 
But how interesting it is to know now that even Gentile survivors of that battle are going to go to Jerusalem every year to do what? To keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Christian friends, hear me. My Gentile Christian friends, I want you to hear me. Why do you not know about the Feast of Tabernacles? And don't feel bad. I was the same way. I had to learn about it, too. I had to discover it from my Jewish friends. But I didn't take it serious because I'm a Gentile. That's for you. It's not for me. No, it is for us because the Gentiles are going to be keeping the feast as well. So I'm just wanting to show you here that these aren't just Jews here. It's also Gentile believers. I'm trying to communicate to my Gentile friends why you should take this seriously for yourself as well. Today, most Gentile believers, they don't know much of anything at all about the Feast of Tabernacles. It's been lost. Why? Well, I don't know. A lot of churches aren't preaching it. Nobody's teaching it, but that's why I'm here telling you about it. I told this guy the other day, let me tell you about the Feast of Tabernacles. He goes, oh, I don't know what that is. I said, well, I know. That's why I'm here to tell you about it. (laughs) So, But we should be doing it every, you know, if we're going to have to do it every year in that time when the Lord comes back, I say, Gentiles, why not get used to doing it now? Well, the Jews are doing that. Great. Wonderful. Why don't you join them? Let's get used to doing it. We're going to be doing it anyway. One thing about the church I pastor is that we're always going to be looking for Messiah Jesus. And part of looking for Messiah Jesus is for us to discover our identity with God. Just like how Ezra read the law and it says the Jews discovered, they, they rediscovered actually, they rediscovered their identity with God when they found the Feast of Tabernacles. Hey, we're supposed to be doing this. They were finding out who they're supposed to be with God. And so I say to my Gentile friends, I hope that today you have rediscovered part of your identity with God because he wants you to be thinking along these lines. He wants you to be thinking, look, I dwell with you. I provide for you. I tabernacle with you. And so ever since I discovered Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, I commit myself to it every year to celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. I build a sukkah in my backyard. I had a rabbi friend of mine. I I showed him a picture of it, and you know what he said? He said, that's the best-looking Gentile sukkah I've ever seen. (laughs) And so I took that as a compliment. I've, I've got rabbinic approval now. So you may be thinking, my Gentile friends, you may be thinking, Great story. But where's the sparkly aha moment for me in this? I I don't see it. What's the big kicker with why I should partake of the Feast of Tabernacles? Okay, I know the Lord said to do it. Okay, yeah. But uh, you're you're concerned about legalism. You're concerned about do it because he said do it. Check the box, you know. But you need some inspiration behind it. I I had a, a pastor tell me once before I went into Bible college, he said, don't be so informational that you forget to be inspirational. So let me give you some inspiration on this. Those of you who are who know me, you're looking for the Jesus parallel in this. So what is the Jesus parallel in here? Well, first off, let's consider that the Jews sinned. They were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord sent them a savior named Moses, who by God's power He led them out from that slavery and into towards the promised land. They weren't at the promised land yet in the 40 years, but they were on their way. They were in that in-between place, between their delivered bondage and the promised land that they weren't not yet home. But all through that 40 years, the Lord dwelled with his people, 
in the tabernacle, in the tabernacle, he never left them. They were between, between Egypt and the promised land, but the Lord never left them. Today, all of us have sinned, which has made us a slave to bondage. But the Lord has sent us a Savior in Jesus Christ, who offers to save you and lead you out from that slavery and towards a promised land ahead called eternal life. Now, there's those of you, you've given your life to Jesus Christ, and you're a believer, you're a Christian now, and you're going through this period of time where you're no longer in that slavery to sin, but you're not exactly in heaven yet either. I want you to know that even though you're still in that in-between place, the Lord God will never leave you. He wants to tabernacle with you, to dwell with you. The Lord dwells with us. He tabernacles among us as we live in these temporary dwellings. Remember, I talked about that tent that would have gotten blown away in that hurricane, okay? This temporary dwelling that you live in, this flesh body, is not designed to withstand eternity. The Israelites, they dwelled in sukkahs, temporary dwellings, to get that perspective of the Lord dwelling with them. We need to recognize that what we have here on earth, in between condemnation and heaven, is all temporary. It's not going to last. Your body is not going to last. The home you love to live in is not going to last. It's very temporary. We're all in these temporary dwellings. And for some of you today, it was like, for Ezra's time, you're just now discovering that you had lost your identity with God. I say rediscover your identity with God, that he sees you as one of his own. He provides for you so that we can then celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles while saying, I have been delivered from sin. I belong to Messiah Jesus, whose name means God with us. Isn't that good? In fact, Jesus said something during the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, Gentiles, pick it up. Come on, let's, let's go. Hear this. If Jesus said something, if your Savior, Jesus, said something during the Feast of Tabernacles, wouldn't you want to hear it? Okay, here it is. John seven thirty seven, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The living water flowing out, that's the indwelling Holy Spirit that he puts in us upon belief. Talk about indwelling, right? talking about tabernacling with us in this temporary dwelling. Look at what he said on the Feast of Tabernacles. He said, here's how I will tabernacle with you. So to think that Jesus spoke aloud during Sukkot, during the Feast of Tabernacles, about God dwelling in us, <laughs> and the ultimate fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles is when Jesus comes back to dwell with us, ruling his kingdom from Mount Zion in Israel. Isn't that worth celebrating? I want, to, I want you to see something from Dove Schwartz in Israel about the Feast of Tabernacles. A few years ago, I was with Dove in Israel, and we were at the hotel having breakfast under the sukkah. They built a sukkah right outside in the dining area of the hotel. 
And a man walked by, a Jewish man walked by, and he says, I see you're under the sukkah. You can see the significance to, to the Jewish people when you're under the sukkah. They, it really means something. He said, I see you're under the sukkah. And, we, and Dove said, yeah, come on and get under the sukkah with us. And he shook his head. He goes, I don't deserve to sit under the sukkah. And Dove said, look, I don't deserve it either. But there's one who made it to where I can sit under the sukkah. There's one who came so that I can dwell under the sukkah. And this man said, I think I know who you're talking about. And he says, come over here and we'll talk about him. So he came in under the sukkah and sat in there with us. And we talked to him about Jesus Christ. And we shared the gospel with him. But this man was burdened. He was hurt. Back in the 70s, when the Israeli team in the Olympics were killed, he was involved with that. He was in the military, and he was involved with passing some information that he says got incorrectly passed. It was passed wrongly, and he believed that was the reason why they were killed. And he just carried this burden on him for all those decades. And you could just see it on his face that he blamed himself. And we told him about forgiveness, and we told him about burdens lifted. And he says, it sounds great, and I want to believe this, but how do I trust it? And me, the Gentile, the foreigner, I didn't look anything like I fit in Israel at all. And so I stepped up and I said, hey, the scripture says, and I showed him where it said it, it says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall, shall, will will be saved. And he says, you know, that sounds good. I'm going to trust that. And a Jewish man gave his life to Messiah Jesus under the sukkah during the Feast of Tabernacles on my first trip to Israel. <laughs> what a story. So this Saturday, the 25th uh, of 2021, uh, weather permitting, I hear it's supposed to be a nice high of 83 where I live. I'm going to dwell in a sukkah. During Sukkot, during the Feast of Tabernacles, and I'm going to be with my friends, and we're going to have lots of food. We're going to celebrate the fact that how the Lord God Almighty dwells in us, this temporary, flimsy, easy-to-blow-over me, (laughs) a sinner saved by grace. Are y'all ready to party the Feast of Tabernacles? I think we should uh, be ready to partake of a long-forgotten holiday that even we Gentiles get to jump into. And friends, if you want to know how to build a sukkah, I'll just make it easy as I can. Just look online. You can find them on Google. I mean, I went and bought a canopy cover, just the skeletal piping pieces that, you know, I took the cover off because the top of the sukkah is supposed to be open. And I just built a, look it up. It's easy to do. Just make whatever you can and get in there and enjoy. The Feast of Tabernacles, as you dwell in that temporary dwelling to think that God dwells with his people, and he even let a foreign Gentile like me to join in. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you dwell with us. This sinner, the sinner who doesn't deserve it, you said, but I want to dwell with you. God is interested in you. God wants you, and that's also why you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.